Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Early January, that means it is time for our awards through December. Always a fun podcast, especially because I end up thinking it's not going to take that long to prepare for, and then it takes hours and hours to just agonize over this stuff. A little easier this month than it was last month when we really were dealing with everything totally afresh here. But uh, first, I'll tell you that we're sponsored by Draft. Use that cap space code to get started on draft so why don't we start uh with our mvps uh, danny who did you have here through december 31st well just quick i'll make a disclaimer because there are people who listen to this podcast and not as many of our other ones which is most of our awards will specify when it's different are for the year to this point so it is not the mvp of december it is the mvp of the league from the start of the season through december so yes. so my uh my number one for mvp is lebron James. James. It was really close between LeBron and Harden, and it's interesting that their cases are actually more similar than you would think because LeBron has not been dominant defensively. But both of them have been central to their team's offensive success. Chris Paul hasn't played that much so far this year. And while Houston's offense is a little bit better, I think that LeBron is just, has been so central without Isaiah Thomas. And so I went there, and also, if you're, if you're going to have a tiebreaker for defense, even if LeBron is in chill mode, he's still way better than Harden is on that end I went with Harden uh and that's obviously going to change with this hamstring injury where he could he's going to miss at least two weeks and my prediction would be a fair amount more than that LeBron started falling off a little bit towards the end of the month Harden although Houston started to lose had those back-to-back 50-point games I thought after the first month he had a substantial lead on LeBron I mean if you look at the usage for example Harden 36 percent LeBron 31 and they are pretty similar in efficiency LeBron had been up in the the high 60s in true shooting percentage now he's down around 64 percent uh and just with how the Houston offense has hummed at historic levels overall so much time spent without chris paul as well during this period i stuck with harden i thought that the having the tiebreaker of the team success is a reasonable one when the guys are so close and i also felt like harden you know what he was doing was both these guys doing some unsustainable things harden with his isolation scoring and efficiency his three-point shooting uh, but he's more of a reliable three-point shooter i think than lebron is uh where lebron has been shooting about 40 percent i'd expect that harden is more likely to continue that than lebron i know it's an award for kind of what guys have actually done so far but when 
it's really close i think you can also look at like all right is, you know is this just kind of luck this performance and lebron is a great player but the three-point shooting i do not expect to continue that's really an outlier for him and he he's not a guy who stretches the floor the, the way that harden does uh in terms of like running his pick and rolls getting others involved so i i think it's still hard and i agree with you it's very close i expect lebron to be the front runner and now to win the award with harden this time that harden is going to miss um but you know i mean you can't go wrong with either of those guys to be sure and so then you get into the next group and so one of the big changes that happened is so i had Giannis actually above lebron last month and he has just been less ridiculous in december he's still you know he's not in that conversation with those two top guys to me he's in the separate one with a few other guys but yeah i still do have Giannis third he's having a wonderful season he is actually still i believe he's he's definitely oh yeah he's second to harden in per and and he has kind of the, the similar argument where the offensive load is is born a lot on him but also well they had more team success getting eric bledsoe in Giannis had to do a little bit less and again he wasn't as extreme of a positive which was not a surprise but that's what happens and you know you are less valuable if you're not dominating in that same way so he's third but this time it was harder because i think there were more guys that rose up into that conversation do you agree with that yeah i think so the the overall statistical resume for Giannis to me is pretty clearly superior to anyone below him in these rankings that we're talking about i mean harden is number one in rpm by quite a bit over lebron lebron is fifth that was another reason why i went with harden as well just part of you know again rpm not to be all in all but you know it's part of the statistical resume and, and harden is the the clear leader in that and it's particularly uh in offensive rpm he's two points better than lebron and and 1.6 better than curry who's number two right now uh but getting back to Giannis, yeah i mean it, who else is in contention here you'd say that anthony davis and kd were the other two that i i considered for that spot is that fair yeah that that's the same two guys that i considered and the, all of them have different profiles i mean obviously durant has had some masterful offensive seasons this has not been that kind of year for him and some of that is you know just playing on the warriors which is this different circumstance and he has yeah. been better defensively but i think the whole like there's been some maybe it's just us being in the, located in the bay area the oh he could win defensive player of the year no no he's been yeah, much no. better defensively well, on he, he could basis. i mean he could win it but he, he sure as hell shouldn't it and, and we'll, we'll I, I i will i'll get into that during the defensive player of the year i have like a whole segment prepared for that so but okay. i agree i mean you know he, he's he is not i don't think he's been as good defensively as Giannis even necessarily um and Giannis just in pretty much every statistical overall stat has a, a better resume you know kd certainly was excellent at times leading the warriors that eight and two record without Steph but also has not quite been I mean you know just he's number 10 in the league in PR and in terms of RPM only number 22 overall you know so it's just he's not there really I mean you have to have a hell of an argument if you're 10th in PR and 22nd in RPM some other element that gives you a big boost and being on the Warriors and and being on a good defense is part of that but that's not quite enough for me you could say being on the Warriors helps him as much as it hurts him in terms of those stats so well, uh yeah so i, I wanted, I wanted to say one other thing with kd is that if he was had the same efficiency like as, as uh, so last year in true shooting he was 651 and maybe even if he was more in the 635 range which is more where he was when he was on okc and had even the same usage which is less than he had uh for some of his years in okc and much less as mvp or what it was insane like if he was at that kind of offensive kd level i think that you know, this would be a different conversation but that just hasn't been who he is on that end so far this year yeah getting to the foul line has not quite been there not getting to the rim as much especially 
uh, as you mentioned in our show yesterday in isolation he's been more content than ever it seems like to pull up for the jumper which he is extremely effective at obviously and he's shooting lights out from three-point range so his efficiency is still very solid but it's not quite to those nuclear levels and then to me ad a, a clear fifth in this one uh not really sure who else would be in it steph curry would be in this conversation had he not missed a month but of course he did uh i, I mean Kyrie irving maybe is someone you w- would look at potentially there too but uh you know i'm still especially in terms of minutes as well Kyrie doesn't play that many minutes which is good uh for boston i like the the fact that they're doing that and allowing him to potentially play harder in fewer minutes but uh Kyrie's still not quite at that level especially when you consider defensively he would probably be number six for me if, if we had to go that low uh so why don't we get to uh first team all nba now yeah so a uh, first team all nba i mean you you obviously you start with the, the players that you had in serious mvp conversations so that means you know harden is one of the guards lebron and Giannis to me are the the forwards over over durant that, that and ad those were kind of the the distinctions there so then there are two spots remaining for me i personally focus on it's more about outstanding than value for me with all nba this is true over the whole season so like i had durant higher last year when he had a nice year but missed the end of it so for me the choice for the guard was between curry and kyrie irving i think steph curry has been better even though he has played less time so i went with curry on first team kyrie is the number one guard on the second team and then at center it's just a war zone i mean you have a bunch of guys that have pretty good cases i I think you could probably go about six deep with guys that have pretty good cases and so you have to put somebody at the top i even though he's not not nearly in the same place as he was for me last month joel Embiid still is there i think he's the best defensive player of the guys in that group and i still think that's an important part of it for center offensively he's not as good as a guy like demarcus cousins or nicole Jokic or somebody else but that overall ability to transform his team on the end that is more important for centers that's why i put him on the first team start with the the guard line first um i had Kyrie over steph i mean i i understand your thinking and if we're looking here and steph was way better than irving and he missed a month at the end of the year he missed you know one sixth of the season okay i got it but if you missed half the season it becomes harder and, and irving has been outstanding been the best player on, on the team that i think has the best or second best winning percentage in the league or i'm sorry not the best but either the second or third best winning percentage in the league right now very efficient never turns it over um and on a team that does not have a ton of other offensive threats from a, a shooting perspective and they've got guys who are capable but really nobody else even remotely approaching a number one option so i, I think Steph, uh, irving a clear first team all nba guard to me i agree with you on harden lebron and Giannis for the reasons we talked about it in the mvp uh, and then i stuck with lamarcus aldridge as my center he actually has played center even more now 55 percent of his minutes this season have come at center as Kawhi Leonard has returned they've gone with some smaller lineups as Kyle Anderson has returned he's playing a lot of minutes with no traditional big next to him now though he's starting of course with Gasol and Embiid I agree with you probably on a per play basis maybe you can say he's been better than Aldridge but it just has missed so much time again so far you know I think he's missed 11 games already and for most of his games except when he's playing in triple overtime uh is on a minutes limit so uh, i'll stick with lamarcus a team that has had he's on a team that has had more success as well i mean if you look at the spurs talent without Kawhi uh, and philly's talent without Embiid, you know it's not that different and obviously the coaching plays into that as well the spurs culture their veteranness etc etc but aldridge deserves some credit for that also and so i I think especially because the spurs been so much better than philly and the games played that's the biggest argument to me for going with lamarcus Embiid was my second uh team center yeah and so 
it is interesting that a lot of it, because these guys have really close cases, it comes down to how you define that, how you define that term in terms of the value of playing in games. And, and that explains really the difference between us. Do you want to move on to second team? Because I mean, it feels like this conversation bleeds in. Yeah, it does. And I think for at four, what I will say, I had Durant and AD for some of the reasons we talked about it in the MVP, but it really is amazing how much better kd and adr than our third team all nba boards it was kind of difficult actually finding guys that i felt like had been that good you know to merit third team all, all nba and then uh as my second team on the guard line i did go with steph curry again on the feeling that you know he's missed half the season but a his resume before this b the fact that he has just been so much better uh, than any of the other guards who are in contention here i had to go with him if there was someone else who i felt like was close to him i, I would would have dropped him down with the full expectation uh, that he would be up here by the end of the season and then my other guard uh, although a guy who was in our small forward rankings because on most teams he would be a small forward but he is uh, a shooting guard on minnesota and, and that's jimmy butler who uh, has really willed the wolves uh, to being 10 games above 500 and uh is basically right back where he's been these last couple years now after a monster december can i express opposition that you use the opposite of the lamarcus aldridge logic on jimmy butler to squeeze him out on the second team because I felt guilty putting him on the third team as a forward when he's the when he would have been in the top 10 like for well, me he, well but he's he's actually played at shooting guard more than 50 percent this year hasn't he if you're gonna say Wiggins is the small forward which well I think cleaning, most cleaning the would. glass defines it that Butler's the three and Wiggins is the two so they have it that oh, he's played 93 that's very at, subjective at, though I mean it that's is just very, that, yeah I mean for, for example like you know Jim Peterson ranked Butler as a two guard you know I, I, I think I think it's fair to look at it that way I mean because if you look at like what position have they played you know the most in their career the last few years i think when he was in chicago butler still was the the two of fairmont until last year when wade came in and then wiggins has i think pretty much always been the three you know playing next to zach levine so you know i mean it, it's subjective here and there but certainly i mean the voters in real life have the ability to put guys where they should be you know ad at center for example um you know and wherever you get more votes is what you ended up being at so uh, that's why i and, and butler is so clearly better than uh to me the the other guards that, that i shoehorned him in there instead of putting him onto third team forward but uh you know so i mean do, do you think i did anything that's like against the rules or what no 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 i just i just feel like in one way you fudged it one way then the other way you did it the other way but the one thing i will say about having butler as a well, forward wait, wait, so i understand it, that how is how is like because well, aldridge because the idea the idea of the position you played historically lamarcus aldridge has been a power forward for almost his entire career he's plays power forward in their starters in their starting lineup but because the rest of the time he plays the other position that like if you're going by historical precedent then Aldridge is a four if you're going uh, by I guess so but you could also say like Pau Gasol has been a four for most of his career though you know a center much more often lately I you know I, I it's it's not a big also deal. like yeah I, it's not but like Butler but, you know I just think of him as the two this year people think of Wiggins as the three I think people people in Minnesota would say you know like Butler does more of a traditional two type of role on offense he's got the ball in his hands more um than Wiggins does I think if you just asked Minnesota and I think you know just in terms of what they get introduced that Butler's introduced as a guard and, and uh Wiggins as a forward but so uh, the one part of it that was advantageous to having Butler as a forward for me even though I felt like he deserved to be on the second team was because as you said in your kind of the second team intro yeah the third team forwards were really hard and so I only had to kind of fight for it with one spot as opposed to you having to do it for two and the guards 
were tough too. Oh, but I should go through my second team guard. So I had Kyrie. I said the Steph Kyrie part before. Kyrie's clear. He's either second or third. And so for me, I had him third. That's fine. And then for since I didn't have Butler on the guard line. So second or third among guards, you mean? Among guards, yes. Team, yeah. Correct. Thank you. It was uh, how to handle that last guard spot on the second team. I ended up going with Russell Westbrook. He was much, much better. We both picked him as our most disappointing player in November. He really did get back to form and Oklahoma City used him more. So he was a more important part of their offensive success. Yeah, he, he used himself more. Right. And and so also, while I do not give him anything close to the lion's share of the credit for OKC's defense this year, a lot of the f- guards, especially if we're talking point guards this year, are kind of in the boat where they haven't provided a ton of defensive value. Some of the twos have. And so for me, then that doesn't hurt him, you know, in any way. So, so the, he's been better offensively. He's been important to their team. So I had him as the second team. And then I had LaMarcus as my second team center along the same logic you've used for the last two months. I think that he's been important for the Spurs. He's been their best big and they're having a wonderful season, most of it without Kawhi Leonard. And so, yeah, I I had him second team. So my second team to go through all of it, Kyrie, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, you know, I actually did not have Westbrook uh, on my team at all. Just a 501 true shooting percentage and 36% usage. I know he's played a lot better lately, but you know, their offense still has not been great. They're, They're coming on, but, and I expect again that Russ will be here by the end of the year, but just too damaging so far in terms of what he's done offensively. You know, I certainly understand if you want to go, he's got the best uh, overall resume coming into this year of a lot of these guys. And so I think, you know, that's fair to say, but I, I think early in the season, especially, I focus a little bit more on what's been done this year to kind of take a snapshot of it. And then, you know, as the season goes on and guys, some of the stats start to normalize, I, I will start to weigh, you know, just kind of who I think is better a little bit more than I would early on in the season uh so uh, to give my second team real quickly Curry Butler at the guards uh Duran and AD at forward and beat at center and then third team all NBA kind of some weird <laughs> pretty weird third team uh Victor Oladipo it is time to recognize what he has done and we've seen also that basically as soon as he got hurt with that knee injury the Pacers have just completely fallen off I mean he's pushed the Pacers to a, a top 10 offense which nobody saw coming at all and they've dropped right off as soon as he has come out he is uh 12th in rpm i think you know demar Derozan, another guy who's come on lately in the conversation for third team all nba guard but i think oladipo so far has been better on offense and defense than Derozan. um his ability to hit the three ball off the ball shoot the three when guys go under is not something that Derozan has had up until you know the last like four games where he can't miss uh, from three um and so I, I think he deserves credit for this Pacers offense and carrying them and I still stuck with Clay Thompson for my other guard line spot just because I think his defense has been so good this year he's been a part of keeping them afloat when Steph was out I was a little disappointed that he didn't do slightly more offensively uh, in Curry's absence um but that's not the end of the world he's still been really good and the defense in particular with the Warriors completely shutting teams down when Steph was out I, I liked there um I mean who else was in consideration for you on the guard line for the third team well so somebody in consideration is the guy who actually got my last guard spot so I had Oladipo like you did I had I he's yeah. had a fabulous year I want to give him that respect but DeMar DeRozan's backcourt partner Kyle Lowry I think Lowry has been a larger part of Toronto's success so far this year and it would 
there's just this mass of point guards that are all have similar profiles. To me, Chris Paul has had the best season of those guys, but he hasn't played nearly enough to, to consider for me. Like that, the line is somewhere around like 20 games or even more than 20 games at this point. And so to me of that group, it's like Dame, Kemba Walker, John Wall, but he he fell off a little bit this month and missed time due to injury. And I think Lowry's been the best of those guys overall. It is it is a really tough call. You could go with Clay Thompson as well. It could go with DeRozan. But I think when I watch them and when I look at the statistical profile as well, I think Lowry has been like, if you, you take him off the Raptors, they lose more, even though they have good backup point guards than if they if you took DeRozan off. Yeah, I disagree. I think this is actually the year that DeRozan is better than Lowry. Lowry, just if you watch them, is not nearly as important to what they're doing offensively as usage is down. Certainly pretty efficient, um, although not quite as much as he was actually last month. So you know, I, I think his importance is uh, decreasing to some degree. Um, other guy, you know, Russell Westbrook certainly was in there. Um, Kemba Walker, who made it for me last year's efficiency has really dropped down to 55% true shooting. He was at 60% uh, when we looked at this last month. And Charlotte, of course, uh, has tanked as well. John Wall, another guy who missed some time, not a ton with that knee uh, effusion. And then he's only at 51% true shooting for the year. And that's just that efficiency in his own scoring is what I think has really played his career. And then Dame Lillard also was on the team for me last year. He missed some time with that hamstring injury and just Portland's overall offense, although it's not quite his fault. Um, he was the guy who was closest for me. Uh, very difficult to decide between him, Oladipo, and Clay for me. Um, but I thought that just Portland's overall offensive profile was uh, the tiebreaker there. But the, obviously, especially when you get down to third team, it can be very difficult. Um, so I know on your third team forward, you had uh, Butler there seeing him as a forward. And congratulations, your your team would probably beat mine uh, for that reason. Uh, but then uh, who else did you have at your other forward slot? So that spot, again, it was wide open. There were a lot of, and it was wide open with a lot of guys who have good but not great cases. And so, I mean, Draymond, Green, I seriously considered. Kristaps Porzingis has had some, you know, he hasn't been as good as he was. And he was, do we both have him second team last time? Uh, Draymond Green? No, no, as, Porzingis. Uh, yes, I believe we did. Um, but yeah, I mean, Porzingis, you know, he's been having a lot of clunkers lately. Actually said, uh, admitted that he's a, a little tired. And especially for Porzingis, you know, a troubling trend of how he starts the year off amazingly well and always seems to kind of fall off a, a little bit. But for him, 54% true shooting, that's now actually a little bit below league average and he's not the rpm numbers are not very enamored of him offensively uh he does not set up teammates at all we've talked about that we've been on that really from the beginning of the year and ben falk uh, for cleaning the glass wrote a nice piece about you know with some film about him just missing guys he's really a head down type of player at this point but nonetheless you know not a ton of other guys so chris Stapps was third for me and kevin love the other one i mean kevin love is uh, on a per play basis doing almost as much as he was doing in minnesota he's back to a 25 per stretching the floor as a center obviously not giving you much defensively at center but uh it, it been a huge part of, of the Cavs not missing much of a beat without Kyrie um and, and without Isaiah Thomas so I went with Love as the other four and I realized that he is uh played largely center but you know again I kind of shoehorned him in because there were not uh, other great candidates I mean Paul George has been fantastic defensively having one of his best years defensively and he's getting better but he's still not there in the box score stats you know he's 18 PR you know, it's just and not very efficient you know he could be in this again but 
by the end of the year Draymond Green another stalwart usually uh he's missed a bunch of time hasn't quite been himself uh, defensively although uh, the stats are, are there maybe more than than you might think but uh, also just turning the ball over at, at a fantastically high rate uh Ben Simmons a little too passive a little too inefficient uh, that's why he dropped out he was my third team forward last year and then uh, Blake Griffin would certainly be in this conversation had he not missed the time but uh in fact he did so Kevin Love and Chris Stapps Porzingis are who I went with but you know I I thought some of the weaker choices that we've had for uh third team all NBA forward in some time I ended up going with Paul George I think that he's been strong for them defensively and that makes up the margin in the box score stats and OKC that's been such a huge part of their success even even in the early part of the year when they were not winning games defense was keeping them in it and then during the during this stretch and it's crazy because with him and, and Robertson which I don't think I think it's too hard to give either one of them defensive player of the year but that's value added here and then at the center spot again I said at the beginning that it was really about six guys and I ended up going with somebody who I think has been an under maybe maybe an underappreciated part of his team's success kind of like you, I think your argument was with Aldridge and I went with Al Horford Horford has played majority of his minutes at center this year he's done a really nice job and just helps make their offense and defense work and so while DeMarcus Cousins has been a much more effect, effective efficient offensive player I think that two-sided part especially because Boston's defense has been great this year I just think he's been a little bit better if I were to say who like who has had the best season of those guys I'm going with Al Horford yeah I think Horford is just not quite in the same league as some of these guys he he you know if you were gonna say hey would Boston win more games if they had Horford or DeMarcus I think they probably would win more games with Horford because of his versatility and they already have Kyrie as an offensive guy but I think you also have to account for the fact that in the NBA they're getting from 25 wins to 40 wins does matter you know and so I did go with DeMarcus I mean he is having an unbelievable offensive season despite the fact what we talked about last night with the his emotional issues and some of his issues defensively I mean I think just he's having the best offensive season of any of these guys a lot of these guys are kind of offense only type of centers Jokic uh, would be in this conversation a lot more had he not missed a few games with that ankle injury and doesn't play as many minutes anyway um Andre Drummond you know what he's done from an assist standpoint this year is good but again you know not a guy offensive or defensively who you think is quite in the upper echelons and then Carl Towns he would have made this for me but his usage just isn't high enough now you know I mean he's very efficient but they just never get the guy the ball anymore compared to past years it's all you know it's Wiggins it's Crawford it's Teague it's all these guys who aren't as good as Carl Towns taking shots instead of him although Towns I will say his defense appears to be coming on to some degree lately you know baby steps and Horford was in the conversation for me too but I think I ended up going with DeMarcus just because of this monster offensive season that he's having with 33% usage and 59% true shooting nearly the best of his career and you talked about the the usage for Towns that was also part of it for me with with Jokic too because Jokic isn't taking as many shots as he did last year but so I, I think that that didn't push him up even though they've been better defensively without Millsap than I expect so fantasy basketball fans uh, I know you love debating about these stats uh, and talking about these players and their statistical resumes and if you love stats a way to make your nightly viewing more interesting is with daily fantasy basketball and draft to me is the best fantasy basketball app it's daily fantasy basketball but it's not a salary cap league where you have all these pros who are submitting hundreds of lineups per day instead it's a snake draft you can join one every two or three minutes or so and those pros can't anticipate how the draft is going to go so they can't just enter a bunch of lineups it's kind of too much work for them but it's not too much work for you if you want to have a good time and enjoy the games a little bit more and potentially make some cash drafts start from just one dollar so there's a draft to 
for everyone. They'll even take care of last minute injuries for you. You don't have to worry about the waiver wire or who else to start. It's just a fun one off to uh, on one of those big nights, like a Wednesday. We had like 12 games yesterday to, to kind of monitor what's going on and, and keep track of your players and, and maybe win some money. So the way to get started with them, search draft in your app store. You can join a game in minutes. So you use the cap space code there or use your computer draft.com. Either way, you can use that cap space promo code to let them know that you came from us and to get you a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. That's right. You can play a real money game for free using that promo code cap space uh, on your first deposit with the draft app at draft.com. Don't forget that cap space code. Let them know that you came from us. So defensive player of the year, I think we've continued here. One of the more underwhelming fields that we've had. Who did you go with? I'm sticking with Joel Embiid for right now. The Sixers are not dominating in defense right now, but they do have a defensive rating below 199.5 when Embiid is in the game. And the difference between like, so you look at, oh, well, maybe it's Embiid and Covington. They're they're better, of course, with the two of them, but the discrepancy doesn't exist. It's really with Embiid without Embiid. And also uh, opponents are shooting 50% on field goals at the rim that he defends, which is fourth as of the last time I saw it among rotation bigs behind Jordan Bell, Kristaps Porzingis, and Paul Millsap. And I think he's a better overall defender than any of those three. Yeah. Uh, again, the only reason why he's not a slam dunk winner for me is the missed games, but there really isn't a great number two. Kawhi has missed time. Rudy Gobert has missed time. Draymond has missed time and, and hasn't quite been as effective. If I had to go for a number two, I probably would go with Draymond. His numbers are still pretty decent, although watching him as often as we do, you know, he has not looked like quite the same guy. Has not made some of the game changing defensive plays that, that we've come to know him for in these last few years. If I wanted to, if you had to say, hey, give me one defensive player for the playoffs, it, it probably would still be Draymond, though. I think he's the best in the league, but having missed similar amount of time to Embiid and having not quite been the, the force, uh, I think it, Embiid would take it for me. I did want to discuss, I mean, I have no idea who would even be number three. I think a lot of people are talking about Kevin Durant's potential candidacy, and he's had some big moments, certainly. You know, he was outstanding in that game against Cleveland on Christmas Day. He's up the, near the league lead in blocks, but he's not consistent enough protecting the rim. I mean, he, a lot of times, doesn't rotate over as quickly as he could. He's not doing a ton of the verticality type of plays that the true big men are he certainly is very effective when he gets there and then you know he hasn't been the same force closing out as well it doesn't really get over screens very well if, if you're playing a conventional defense you know they do a lot of switching so that doesn't matter as much I think he's very good on ball um as a switch defender but teams don't really attack him that much either and he also as when he's playing as a four can be posted up can be beaten on the defensive glass and but just overall his effort level is not you know I think if you could say give me his 10 best games you know maybe he's close to that level but on a night-to-night basis we've seen the Warriors get torched at times and I think he's been a big culprit there and the other thing to look at is just the stats other than block shots are not there he is one of the worst defensive ratings on the Warriors I mean I don't really know what his candidacy is based on other than he's blocking a lot of shots and he's on a good defensive team but he's number 31 among small forwards in defensive RPMs uh uh, and when he is on the floor they have a 103 defensive rating which is very solid but not this per end NBA.com. That's solid, but not like unbelievable. And then when he's off the floor, they have a 98 uh, defensive rating. So really statistically, the fact that he hasn't really been that good in the past, that he has a lot of these lapses. Yeah, the shot blocking is great. He's a valuable defender. He can switch, uh, but defensive player of the year, not close in my opinion. I would agree with that. And something that makes me uncomfortable with him, though he bridges the line between perimeter defender and big, is a perimeter defender who doesn't consistently take on the other team's 
best guy. Like that's sure. kind of a part of the reason why I'm uncomfortable with the candidacy for Paul George and, and Andre Robertson because the other guy does it a lot. Like Paul George did a wonderful job on Victor Oladipo and then Robertson did a wonderful job on James Harden. And so if you're providing value, it's a little bit different with that case. So yeah, I don't exactly know where I would go after those guys either. And fortunately, we yeah. don't have to make that decision right now. Yeah, I mean, I, might, I probably would go with George, I, I guess, um, especially given his history. But yeah, it's and for KD, you know, he gets a little bit of a boost because he's so valuable in the one particular matchup that gets the spotlight against LeBron James. And, and I don't mean to discount the fact that he's able to do a credible, jo- uh, credible job guarding LeBron James one on one in isolation. You know, that that is a very important skill, very important to what the Warriors are doing, a huge upgrade over his predecessor, Harrison Barnes, in that department. But just, you know, you got to bring it every night much more than he has. Uh, let's get to coach of the year. So I separated this out and we don't need to spend much time on either of them into coach of the year and coach of the month just because I felt like it. And so coach of the year for me is still Greg Popovich. He has had to deal with so much turnover in terms of personnel, integrating Tony Parker early, integrating Kawhi Leonard now, Danny Green has missed time. Just getting all of that settled and getting all of that worked out has been impressive and they're still, you know, top three in the Western Conference. They're third and I think they'll be better from here than they, than they were so far. So I think that's the job. And then for coach of the month, I just wanted to give some acknowledgement to Fred Hoiberg. I'm sure that the just the fact that they were 10 and 6 is enough to, to really impress people. I believe he did win Eastern Conference Coach of the Month. But also they were fifth in defense in this. And we we have mentioned before that they have good defensive talent, credible defensive talent, especially now that Chris Dunn is starting and playing hell and being healthy. But that's still impressive. And the fact that they were able to bring in these pieces and just hit the ground running before this three-game losing streak is impressive. And so I wanted to mention that as well. Yeah, Hoiberg deserves some credit there. My top three, Brad Stevens still takes it. I mean, the Celtics are 31 and 10 right now. I mean, that's just so far ahead of where anyone would have thought that they would be. And we thought they were going to be a 500 team uh, close to it, you know, maybe mid 40s. And obviously they've been a little bit lucky, but part of that is his excellent coaching late in games, getting guys to buy in, getting Kyrie more of an effort out of him. Popovich was my number two. Uh, with the Spurs sitting at 26 and 13 with all the injury issues that they have uh, what he's able to get out of his deep bench uh, in games when all the resting that they do you know it's it's a lot easier to say oh you know the regular season doesn't matter and you know we could you should just rest guys everyone should be like the Spurs well yeah they're still competitive in basically any game that they play no matter who's on the floor you know and most teams can't say that they actually like need their best players to compete on a nightly basis and so the Spurs also have been a little bit lucky in close games but you know to be 26 and 13 with the the talent that's been available on on a nightly basis is incredible and then number three for me someone who i i think does not get enough credit uh i wouldn't want him as my coach in the playoffs necessarily but Dwayne casey with the raptors 26 like and 10 now uh, with this group i mean and especially you know it hasn't been a revolution but it's been you know a, a small coup perhaps uh, in the way to change over the way that they've played offense getting pretty good defense uh, out of a, a team getting just contra i mean he he does a great job managing his bench to get great contributions out of his bench and it always seems like he deserves some credit for the way that the these young guys develop that contribute can be in a position to succeed ben fleet and dalon wright and ananobi you know he's found a, a perfect usage for cj miles as well he's managed serge Ibaka. he's getting production out of a starting unit that includes valentunas but valentunas doesn't play down the end of games and everyone has stayed happy so with all that i think casey deserves credit
credit and the Raptors you know I had them in the 45 46 win range something like that this year and and they are well ahead of that and are probably the statistical favorite right now uh, to get the number one seed in the east although I I will be a little bit surprised if they actually get there next up is biggest surprise team and player and this is meant as a positive and for me the biggest surprise team has to be Chicago they were 10 and 6 had a plus 2.3 net rating really did rattle off some wins there and got Nick Nikola Mirotic back I think they got Portis back I'm trying to remember exactly when that was in the timeline but they played well too like this isn't just oh they got some close wins they, they played well lost a couple of games that they could have won as well I'm thinking about the game against the Nuggets and then my player is Michael Beasley we joyously reveled in his his big game for the Twitter NBA show against Boston for the month of December he was seventh in usage at 32 percent and had a 56.8 true shooting percentage in December both of those were higher than Kristaps Porzingis which is absolutely incredible it's not like Porzingis was bad he just he wasn't as good as he was before but Beasley was just a monster in the month of December for whatever reason and that's why he's my big surprise player yeah and I didn't do it on a monthly basis I still had Victor Oladipo as my surprise player and the fact that he has only consolidated his gains from the first month or so of the year until being felled recently his last four games with that knee swelling and you know Aaron Gordon was a guy who still was an honorable mention there he's still shooting around 40 percent on threes despite the fact that he's missed time and that the magic are in an utter tailspin right now he deserves credit for where he's been although he's dropped out of the all nba consideration and then the celtics still the biggest surprise team to me as well um and then uh what did you have for uh most disappointing team and player so again i went on the month of december and so the most disappointing team for me was the charlotte hornets the hornets were five and eleven with a negative three net rating during that time and kemba walker only missed one game he had another one where he was limited but they had an opportunity to even if they had stayed at 500 to be a lot closer in this playoff race and now it's going to take a superlative effort for them to really get there and so that was most disappointing player for the month of december was really hard there weren't really any clear-cut candidates for me i considered you know like we've talked about marcus Gasol's defense being like that he hasn't i understand that the grizzlies weren't going to be good even if he was awesome but that he could it feels like especially defensively that he could have been a bigger part of it but even though minnesota went 10 and 5 i'm going with andrew wiggins it is yeah. kind of a year-long thing as well but he's not better as an offensive player i mean we had hoped that jimmy butler being there would allow him to to really trim the fat off of his offense the idea being that he could just take the better shots that come to him but that hasn't happened and either in process or in results and that's disappointing that's the exact definition and he hasn't been taken a stride defensively like i hope he would so it's not so much that he took a step back it's that he didn't take any step forward even though it looked like momentum was carrying in that that direction yep uh, wiggins uh, would be my guy for both the season and uh, the month of december when he has really fallen off uh, as well and for team yeah i mean i think it really does have to be uh, the charlotte hornets uh, given the fact that they were pretty close to 500 coming into the month and you know obviously they've had the zeller injury which has been a problem but relatively healthy overall and i think this is a team that's capable more we saw what they could do and they won at golden state although curry was was out in that game and they just you know the defense has not been to the level that i would have hoped for for this team i mean i think they've done what they needed to do offensively it's just that they can't really seem to stop anybody at least to the level that we've seen from steve clifford teams in the past uh all right this will be interesting rookie of the year a month ago i thought ben simmons was running away with it even though other guys were having good years he is not running away with it anymore i still have simmons as my pick for rookie of the year for the season but i have donovan mitchell as rookie of the month he was you know 23 points per 
game, 35%, almost 36% from three, 50% from the field, basically doing the offensive role. And that was the big difference. And Jason Tatum is, of course, in this conversation too. Why I'm going with Simmons right now over those guys, though they can absolutely overtake him. It's very close between the three, is because the responsibilities on Simmons are a lot more onerous, especially on a rookie player. The idea of Kate running the offense so much, Tatum has done a spectacular job of taking advantage of opportunities. But to me, running an offense like Mitchell is doing now and like Simmons is doing is so much harder yeah. that I give them credit. Yeah, I, I uh, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault uh, on Donovan Mitchell, I just, for whatever reason, didn't include him in the discussion last time. I apologize for that. Like the day after, um, you know, he wouldn't have won it for me last month. And But no, I think he now, after that just incredible December, which we talked about in the 15 and 60, he is my my number one. I mean, especially when you look at what the number is at point guard. Uh, and, and that also, I think, if Ben Simmons has kept playing the way that he played over the first month and a half of the season, he probably would still have it for me. But the usage and aggressiveness has fallen off from him. He's had some real weird disappearing games, even at times when Embiid is out. And I'm starting to worry about the offensive limitations for him to, to some degree. I think Mitchell is better on defense, although Simmons certainly has been totally fine on that end. And like you, I draw a distinction between those two guys as really primary offensive impetus for their team and Jason Tatum, who has been extremely efficient, but you know usage is below 20%. A lot of it built on this three-point shooting, which may not sustain and is very unlikely to sustain these shooting like 50%. Um, you know, he's having a wonderful year. I'm very enthused about his future. He did well on our prospects list, but uh, you know, he has not had anywhere near the type of burden these other guys. And then for fourth, I, I wanted to talk about Kyle Kuzma. I thought about putting him ahead of Tatum, but his D remains a major problem. He's had some big games, but they have overall been worse with him on the floor. And I also, I just tend to default in when it's close in these rankings to who I think the better long-term prospect is, because otherwise you get things like Malcolm Brogdon getting rookie of the year last year, which, you know, it just doesn't look good for posterity. And so I think if Kuzma were like way out playing all these other people, uh, then I would have him higher. But I do think, you know, he's not in the same league as an overall prospect with the, the three guys above him. And I think those guys have all played better than him and had better two-way play than him throughout the year. And they're on better teams. And it's notable how open this is. Like I could see both at the end of February, but of course at the end, at the end of the regular season, that this could change around a lot. Those four guys could go in pretty much any order from the rest of the season because we still have so much basketball to be played, especially since rookies always take time to adjust. So Simmons had that big lead, but now everybody's coming back. Let's move on to sixth man of the year. To me right now, the top spot is between Lou Williams and Tyreek Evans. Evans does still qualify. He's getting close to the, so the threshold for this is that you can't have started more than half of your team's games. Tyreek, I think is like one or two games below that at the end of December. So that could actually kill his six man of the year case, depending on how the Grizzlies approach this. Though, of course, if he gets yeah. traded, he probably I mean, won't they, start. they desperately need him. So I, I imagine he will not be eligible by the end of the year. My prediction is that he goes over the line and then goes back under because they trade him at the deadline and then that <laughs> team doesn't start him. But I still gave the number one spot to Lou Williams because what Lou Williams did during the month of December to keep the Clippers afloat was really impressive. It was a lot like what Tyreek has done, but I just think with Lou, the stakes were higher. The Clippers had more expectations for their season and actually had the capacity to, de- to deliver a little bit more because they still had DeAndre and you know some other guys. But he shouldered the offensive burden, did a really nice job of it, and Reek is better defensively, but I don't think that's the tiebreaker for me. I think Lou Williams has just been better overall. Yeah, on a better team, you know, has had some games where he single-handedly won the game for the Clippers. And, you know, Lou is the type of player, if he's one of your primary 
scorers who can you know get you to a 35 to 40 win level but hey like we said that's got some value in the regular season for a sixth man um you know usually i like to pick the guy who i think is the had the best season coming off the bench instead of the best score but it, it has not been a, you know i've i've picked taj gibson in the past i've picked andre goodall in the past but it has not been a banner year for these bench guys who aren't scores um by the way if you're wondering about kyle kuzma he is no longer eligible he's actually started 19 out of 35 games um you know kelly Oubre probably deserves a little bit of recognition here pj tucker has fallen off after a hot first month and a half or so um you know, i had a couple bench. other guys i wanted to mention too yeah yeah beyond those and i, I echo those uh will barton has had a nice year yeah, he was my Denver. number three actually yeah barton david west who has kind of been a, a two-way guy for the warriors if he played yeah. more minutes i think he would have a better case i think you can make an argument yeah. he's been the third best player off the bench but he's not ahead of those first two guys yeah yeah and per, then the last per guy, minute yeah per minute yes that, i think yeah yeah and then the last guy i wanted to mention not necessarily in terms of rankings but just to give him kudos is trey lyles lyles has been much better than i anticipated has really come on and depending on where this goes i don't think he's going to get in the top two conversation but i could i could definitely see him getting on ballots because he's just putting up points and denver needs that right now yeah for lyles i mean those will remember back in the draft i didn't know that much about donovan mitchell we didn't have a chance to get into his film i was skeptical of his shooting he obviously has shot it much better than he did in college at louisville but so i was just kind of treating that trade as you know your average number 13 pick and number um for lyles and 24 and you know that's why i was like hey you know maybe this isn't that great of a trade just based on that obviously mitchell has been unbelievable which i you know because i didn't have time to to look that deep in the draft didn't know that he would be at the time but lyles can play i mean if it were just some average number 13 player in the draft maybe what i said it would have been accurate um but another guy i want to talk about too is wayne ellington who is really keeping this miami offense afloat like he is zach Lowe highlighted this in one of his columns recently that the versatility of his jump shot and you know i mean he's taking like kind of clay thompson type of shots now from three-point range coming off the screens fading away guy right in his face like he really just the, the stuff that they run for him coming off the screens opens everything up for what's a pretty limited offensive team and, and, and kelly Oubre, I, I can't remember what i mentioned him or not briefly he's been solid for the wizards uh anything else you want to say on six man no we're moving to dunk on the month and i always cede the opening part of this to you because you relish it more than i do well we really should probably have jared allen on to tell us what the dunk of the month was because he just got viciously dunked on like six or seven times in the last month he could he could give us his impression of, of what the best dunk was he has a front row seat to a lot of them although uh, uh i mean number one i like to see guys who are aggressive trying to block shots and number two he's actually had a couple of pretty nice dunks uh, of his own uh but that was pretty funny i mean i watched you know the compilation du jour of the best dunks of december and he was uh he was quite prominently featured um uh, throw in a few here before i i get to the winner uh larry nance uh, on kevin durant was pretty nice uh kd tried to block the block it with his left hand and nance just went up kd started falling down tried to swipe with the ball missed it and, and nance just got him i mean nance might be if he really goes up off of two feet like he's gonna dunk it he might be the number one guy in the league where you're just like okay it's probably just a good idea to, to get out of the way um so that's one uh Giannis had this ridiculous lefty slam on marcus smart um deandre jordan got an alley-oop with two hands on taj gibson i think in the twitter nba show game that we did uh donovan mitchell i mean every single one of his dunks is highlight where he got uh will barton with one though um also eric bledsoe just had a ridiculous tip dunk against the Cavs. you know at basically 6-1 just flying in that was incredibly impressive and uh 
another one of my favorites was the Kelly Olynyk revenge dunk on, on Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown, where he basically scored the winning points for Miami with like 30 seconds left, came down the lane with like a, a nice two-hander before he kind of injured his hamstring. Um ad breaking ron baker's face at the same time as he dunked on him and got fouled uh that was uh that was pretty rough uh paul george just completely destroying Derek favors in a home game that was a, a throwback for george uh but any other ones that you remember that i'm missing here that you you uh you wanted to comment on or, or, or any of those that you really liked still got a few more but i think i think the olenic dunk in the context was probably yeah. the, my favorite dunk of the month though it wasn't as a dunk well, which is the way and, we define any, terms any north american white guy who dunks like that you know what i mean you but but really doing it against your former team in crunch oh, time yeah. i was watching that live and was just delighted he took by off it. from like pretty close to the dotted line yeah with and dunked it with two hands like that it was pretty impressive so i i wanted to give another mention partially because i was there live there were two other lakers dunks on kd in the first half of the kobe retirement game one was julius randall i can't remember who the other one was all three of them were spectacular and then the other one which is my honorable mention for dunk of the month was thomas sadaransky on gochi that was just filth. I loved that dunk. And the fact that Sadaransky did it was more surprising because I didn't know he had that kind of ups. And so oh, he I does. Always, yeah, he, he's got yeah. some bounce off of one foot. Um, you know, I remember that even going back to seeing him in 2012 uh, at the Euro Camp, uh, though those many years ago. A uh, couple other ones, uh, Carl Towns on Corey Brewer, where he just basically like went up with him and then just like reared back in almost a double pump and like dunked it around him. That was pretty ugly for, for an and one. Uh, Tate and one dunk where he flew in from the right wing and kind of bounced off of uh DeMontis Sabonis was pretty nasty um but I think the clear winner to me is Russell Westbrook on Thon Maker yeah that was just I mean just I mean as soon as I saw that I'm like let me open up the Google Doc right now and write this shit down because uh that's gonna be the winner yeah I I didn't mention it in my little set because I thought you were gonna have it number one it is a spectacular like and, and to do it and he got some contact my favorite dunks like that like the Giannis one on Aaron Bain earlier this year are when a guy is in the air gets hit especially if it's by a bigger guy and still completes it and he completed that remarkably cleanly all right uh best win of the last month for the second consecutive time i'm picking a team beating the rockets in houston <laughs> the lakers won 122 116 in a game james harden and chris paul both played that was the game for those who remember that harden dropped 51 no and i thought Wyatt, paul didn't play in that one he did play or he was played that like the one where he minutes. left he left with the groin strain correct he did okay. play he didn't yeah he didn't dominate and he i think he left early but he did play uh, and then so part of the reason why that game was notable for me was it was a real big display one for kyle kuzma kuzma in that game had 38 points on 17 field goal attempts had had some luck at the line as well not some luck he got to the line it was also the cory brewer revenge game which just delights me to no end he had 21 in that one and i just think it was a nice win for the lakers in terms of you know thinking about where the young guys are and it was against i have so much respect for what the rockets are at full strength or close to it and they're the only team that beat them in that way and since the Warriors were without Steph Curry for so much of the month I those were the two teams that I'm like beating them is a bigger accomplishment than beating other people yeah I had a few here uh, Dallas beating OKC uh, in that game where Dennis Smith uh out Russell Westbrook down the stretch Boston's 26 point comeback from the third quarter down 26 in the third quarter 
quarter at home against Houston. Uh, Denver just absolutely throttling Golden State. That's a team that has not been the greatest defensive team, but to hold Golden State to 81 points uh, in Oakland was impressive. And I thought this wasn't like some unbelievable win, but the Sixers really seemed to be in a tailspin. And on their road trip, had a nice win at Denver, and they seemed to have used that as a springboard to get right back into contention after things were looking pretty bleak for them. But I would have to go with Indiana beating Cleveland to break Cleveland's uh, whatever it was, like 16-game winning streak or something like that. Uh, that was uh, pretty impressive and encapsulates, you know, Victor Oladipo was unbelievable in that game. Um, so I would go with that one. I thought that one, Indiana really always seems to struggle against Cleveland. And, you know, that was in back in the Paul George days, I guess. But uh, that was just a really, really nice win against a hot Cleveland team. Yeah, that's a great pick. I have no opposition to that whatsoever. That was one I considered as well. Worst loss, I don't usually go with the game where the had the highest margin of defeat. But in this case, it was both. And that was Washington getting just trucked at Utah, 116-69. That was a game that was so bad, I started to watch part of the replay and just went, no, I don't need to watch this anymore. The Wizards, one of my favorite stats with this is that the Wizards shot 28% from the field to about 29. Utah shot 57% from the field, and the Jazz almost grabbed as many offensive rebounds. So that gives you an idea. So so they shot more than double the percentage that the Wizards shot in that game? Exactly double, yeah. And no, remember, that included if was, if a ton of garbage time. 28% like, would be 56, so they, it was more than double. Yeah, it was, it was 28, 8, and 56, 6. So oh, okay. Oh, yeah, right, so that's right. actually yeah, 57. That, exactly. that would be 57, 6, but anyway, close yeah. enough. And so, I mean, it was just, just a terrible a terrible effort from the Wizards in that perspective, and I believe that was a game that John Wall did not play in, so that's part of why it was hesitant, but that was just an, an absolute demolition, so I chose it anyway. Uh, Cleveland getting worked at Sacramento as Vince Carter scored 24 points on them uh, was uh my pick cleveland has a habit of coming out to golden state uh losing a close one on christmas and then just getting having a really bad loss uh immediate in their next west coast game immediately after that that was uh one of the games that eventually kind of got them on the road to firing david blatt uh back in 2015 2016 um best game i'm gonna defer to you this because i forgot it in my category so i'll have to i'll listen to yours and remember uh i went with that boston 26 point comeback over houston oh that was a great game there wasn't one that really stood out that much for me as far as just like back and forth at the end so them, them completely i mean that for comeback. my own enjoyment we might go with the the beasley game against the celtics but the best game yeah that celtics rockets game was a blast um so my player to watch last month was marcus uh as after the grizzlies had had a miserable december mike conley or, or miserable november mike conley had been out and we saw gasol in, in person last week uh, he really has fallen off shooting the ball in particular where he's been ineffective is in kind of the post-up zone i call it the floater zone for guards it's kind of the post-up zone for certain bigs only 18 out of 63 in that area inside the lane but not in the restricted area not even shooting well in the restricted area either at over seven foot shooting only 59 percent is not great he has had the jumper working to some degree but it hasn't been able to really force efficient action right at the rim to draw help and set up his teammates as much and then defensively uh they have a 106.9 defense rating when he's off the floor and 111.1 when he is on the floor then there that's in part because their starters have kind of been getting worked a little bit but he's been a big part of that and he really is not uh, pretty unequivocally is not a defensive positive in fact he's moving more you know he's never going to be in like the Vucevic category but he's definitely moving towards being a, a defensive liability here so uh, the numbers on, on him are not good his overall net rating negative 7.6 in December um again better net rating when he when he is uh 
off the floor i think they're pretty close to even so it, it's uh the grizzlies would be very wide to, wise to trade him before his overall perception catches up with uh, the reality of what it seems like he is which is no shame I mean, he's, he's gonna be 33 now he, he was able to forestall the regression at age 32 coming off the broken foot last year but uh with the three-pointer but you know father time is, is undefeated and he's a guy who was kind of slow even back in his prime but that's not gonna be part of the plan it seems like in memphis so uh i think they're just gonna end up getting stuck with with that big contract and not getting value for him uh, unfortunately my player was yusuf nurkic i will admit that i watched less of him than i anticipated partially because lillard got injured at the end of the month which is when right. i was going to and, and focus nurkic on them missed a little time bit. too he has he had he that ankle injury early on right and what i ended up in the game the blazers games that i watched what I ended up being struck by and then the was shocked at how extreme this was in the numbers once i actually got to the full sample size was how his shot distribution has changed this year and some of that is due to the lineups that they're playing you know a lot of a lot of times they're doing two bigs and other things like that but so nurkic has been in a variety of circumstances in his short career every single year before this year you take in half or, or about half or more of his shots in the restricted area that's all the way down below 40 percent this year his effectiveness in those shots is higher which you would expect because it's just it's more of the layups and dunks and stuff but it's not only shifted like to floater range which would be a natural assumption it's been more shooting those deep twos and and a lot more from mid-range that was a small part of his arsenal before and i think it's more about opportunity than anything else but it is concerning just because he's much better at those interior shots and while it's nice that he adds a little bit more spacing than a lot of guys who play his position i still think that it's it, it does a disservice and so i was thinking about the idea of you know like building a team that uses their overall strengths and so i went at it with the defensive perspective of like wow how is portland putting this together and what i ended up with was huh i want to keep more of an eye on nurkic and how portland's using him offensively yeah and again just the the lack of spacing that they have they're really just looking for anything they can get for offense at this point which we'll talk about a little bit more uh who's going to be your player to watch for next month for january it's chris paul i will be watching them of course when james harden gets back but i want to see how much he has in this time when he is really in charge of propelling the the rockets offense and i have been a paul partisan for a long time i mean those who remember our 10 best players in the nba i think i had him fifth last year and so i want to see what he what he has at this point and what he has a week or two now when he gets a little further out from this injury and the rockets have captivated me the whole year and i'm going to be focused on them this time without harden as well i think i'll take a look at uh josh richardson who's been playing a lot better in the the month of december i want to see whether that's something that's going to be sustainable for him or not slashing his turnover rate a little bit shooting the ball much better from three and also just a guy that i love watching he's one of my favorite defensive players to watch in the league so uh i'll mark that down and what was our trend what was your trend that will continue uh from last year or last month and did it in fact continue it was philly fouling a ton they've been in the bottom five in in free throw opponent free throw temperate since 2013-14 they're now not in 30th they're in 28th but they're still really really low on that and then my trend that is an aberration cleveland was shooting a ridiculous 71.2 percent at the rim they are now down to 69.9 which is still great but the the field has come back to them a little bit including the warriors now are at 69 six so they're pretty close and so it has been less ridiculous but it's still a strength for cleveland of course i mean yeah that's a, a smaller reduction than i would have anticipated although i guess if they're overall for the year 69.9 they're probably down around you know 66 percent or something something like that in, I the, would guess. in the last month um i said that i didn't think that golden state's defense would be in the top three they are right around the edges of the top three as we speak here uh, in the two games since steph curry has come back they've gotten completely 
worked and i made that prediction based on him being in there part of it is because he's not as good of a defensive player as his replacements but also i think it's just because when they're just out scoring people with him out there there just isn't the impetus to defend and so i still think that that will end up being true by the end of the season um and then so but i was wrong this time when curry was out they were by far the number one defense in december and then the oklahoma city thunder losing games uh yeah they've uh you know won what like 13 out of 18 or something like that now so and they are starting to actually look good in terms like the you know they completely throttled the lakers last night for example in la so uh, i was right on that one um what are you gonna make predictions for for uh next month so the one that I'm already regretting is I, I teased this last night on t- on the show is oh yeah I, Miami's clutch offense. So Miami was number one in clutch offense in December, one thirty two point eight offensive rating. They were seven and two in those situations, which was second best winning percentage in the league behind the Warriors because they were five and zero. Oh. And then they go out and have just a massive clutch offensive performance against the Pistons in that win. And it wasn't so much the idea that oh they're going to be awful in this. It was just that a one thirty two eight is ridiculous, kind of like the same line what it did with Cleveland before but they can be I I, I think that that might be extreme but if they can still have that as a strength that's very important for them my other the trend that will continue is uh Philadelphia opponents shooting a low percentage in the restricted area they held opponents to a league low 57.6 percent in December yeah. you, and you better I hope expect, Joel Embiid keeps playing I know I'm making a bet on Joel Embiid's <laughs> health but I'm willing to do that at this well, moment not, not as big as one of as Brian Colangelo made so you could feel good about very that, true so uh, I just my, my instinct is that that's going to continue so we'll we'll see for me i think that portland's offense will continue to be mired in the 20s uh they just dame and cj just have so much to do cj is not having his best year right now um dame his efficiency is down you mentioned on nurkic you know never shy but has had to take a lot more shots uh, outside of, of the rim the three-point shooting just has not been there with Turner. I know Aminu is shooting a high percentage, but you know we'll see if that lasts. Uh, I doubt it. And so they just really look like they, they are struggling to get enough shooting. They just don't have any options at the three or the four who can fill it up. And, and that's what they need to really be the best version of this offense. Uh, and then my trend that I believe will abate is the fact that Cleveland is not in the bottom three in the West. I think that they will certainly be there. Their fundamentals Wait, are... I think you need to explain that again. You said Cleveland in the West. I said Cleveland? Yeah. I thought I meant Phoenix. Sorry. Oh, Uh, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Phoenix not being in the bottom three in the West. Thank you for interrupting me on that. Uh, Phoenix not being in the bottom three of the West right now. They're actually, we're surprising. They're like, you know, fifth from the bottom right now. Uh, But based on their fundamentals, the fact that they have their draft pick and are well known to be inverterate tankers and that kind of seemed to be the plan this year anyway i fully expect that they will finish the season in that bottom three in the west and that dallas at the very least will surpass them and probably memphis as well all right we're done here yeah i'll just mention that i have uh the first piece in my new official capacity with the athletic as being a salary cap cpa writer for the entirety of the nba teams is a, a trade deadline preview of the chicago bulls about miritich and everything else that is up on the athletic and yeah that that's all i have to promote right now because we the Twitter NBA show will have happened after, before most people listen to this. Outstanding. All right, we will uh, be back next week, 15 and 60 style, but uh, hopefully you'll have watched the Twitter NBA show with us because this is actually going to come out after that airs, but uh, we'll hope to see you then. If not, uh, next week.
Fantasy basketball fans, listen up. It's not too late to join the highest rated fantasy football app, Draft. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on Draft.com, whichever you prefer. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you got to use my promo code CAPSPACE. That's right. Play a real money game for free. Use that promo code CAPSPACE on your first deposit. Let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 